be seated. Good morning. All right, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 23. This morning, Mark chapter 7. 14 through 23. The problem of the heart. The problem of the heart. That's what we're going to talk about today as we continue looking at this gospel of the suffering servant of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you. That you've allowed us to gather this morning. You've given us this blessed gift of your grace. As Pastor Jim already prayed, Lord, we thank you for our, our sister church, for Treasure Island, graciously uh, allowing us to meet uh, in their facilities. As Pastor Ryan reminded me this week. These are not really their facilities. God, these are your facilities. And they're using them for your glory and the furtherance of your kingdom. So we just praise you for a like-minded brother, like-minded church. Father, we also praise you this morning that we have your word. We have it before us. And in your kindness, we have it in our heart language. That the Bible has been translated into English. There were many, many men, Lord, you know. William Tyndall. Wycliffe. And many, many others that gave their lives. So that we could have the precious word of God. In our possession today. Lord, help us to be mindful of that. Lord, would you help us today to just focus in on you, to focus in on the truth of your word, of how much we desperately need it? We need the gospel of grace this morning. And Father, would you help me to simply preach it and teach it rightly? That you would be glorified, Lord, and you would accomplish the work that only you can do. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So whether we're in the first century, like in the Gospel of Mark, or the 21st century like us, or any other century, there's always been a problem. It's the problem of the heart. The Bible calls it total depravity. We're sinners from birth. We choose to sin because we're sinners. And the other reality is humanity hasn't liked that. And over and over and over, men and women throughout the ages have tried to explain away the problem of sin. Guys, we're sinners. And the only thing that can help us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I thought about in the 21st century, 
We've created all kinds of organizations, haven't we, to try to fix the evils of our world and our societies. We've come up with Black Lives Matters. We've come up with the LGBTQ plus movement. In American culture, we've tried to erase history. We try to put minorities in position of leadership, somehow thinking that all of these things will fix the problems in America, in our culture, with people. Newsflash to all of us, for every tribe, tongue, and nation, for every single person, regardless of your background, we are sinners. We're wicked, we're sinful, we're corrupted before holy God. Sin entered in, we know in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and that sin nature has been passed on to every single one of us. And none of those things that I mentioned will fix the problem of sin. We need a new heart. We need what the Bible calls regeneration. You see, we need to be born from above. We need to be born of God. We need God to take our dead hearts in sin and make us alive in Christ. And only God can do that. And you know how God does that? It's a work of his spirit. It's a work of his grace. It's a work of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, you, all need Jesus this morning. I meant to bring in a mirror this morning and I forgot. Mandy and just the, the rush of trying to get everybody ready and together. Because I was going to look at myself and then I was going to turn it so you could look at yourself. Because if you want to know what the biggest problem is, look in a mirror. It's us. We try to blame everybody else. We try to blame our background. How we grew up. Our culture, our society. The problem is the sinfulness of our hearts. So this morning, look with me at Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. And he called the people to him again. So this is Jesus here, the context. And he said unto them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Then in some manuscripts, it says here, he who has ears, let him hear. And then it goes on from there. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said unto them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, 
sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Now let me give just a little bit of background to catch us up because it's been a few weeks since we've been in the Gospel of Mark. If you remember, this is the most popular time for Jesus of his earthly ministry. He's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been healing, all kinds of miracles, and thousands upon thousands have been gathering to simply be around Jesus. We saw that at the end of Mark chapter 6. And so the beginning of Mark 7, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scribes, they're the Jews, they feel threatened. Of their position, their authority, they got to do something about Jesus. And so they travel from Jerusalem and they come to the land of Gethsemane, there at the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum, and they begin to question him. And they, they're like, oh, we got him now. His disciples are eating food with defiled hands. They haven't washed their hands according to the tradition of the elders. And, and we looked at that. And if you go back to Mark, uh, chapter 7, I believe it was verses 10 through 13, Jesus addresses that. No, it wasn't sinful because you guys are living according to the traditions of men or the traditions of the elders, and you are the ones that are not living according to the commandments of God. You're the ones that are making void the word of God. By the way, it's the same today, isn't it? All of those things that I mentioned earlier are human ways, human traditions. Instead of us submitting to the authority of the word of God, we think we're smarter than God and we'll figure it out on our own. That's a lie. It's a lie from the evil one. It's a lie of the sinfulness of our hearts. And it will lead straight down the path to hell of God's wrath and judgment. Against the sinfulness of our hearts. And so now we come to our text today. And Jesus continues. So there in verse 14. Look back with me. He calls the people. He calls the crowds back to himself. So he had this conversation with the religious leaders. And now he begins to address the crowds again. And he tells them. Hear me. All of you. And understand. I mean there. There's an urgency here. Listen up. Like I said in the one part where it says, he who has ears, let him hear. Are you listening this morning? Not only was Jesus speaking to the people in that time and in that context, his word still speaks today. Are you listening? So then in verse 15, Jesus begins to teach. He says, there's nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him. But it's the things that come out of a person that defile him. Jesus is making it clear here that there's no outside things, no food, no drink items that actually defile a person of the inner person of the heart. He uses this word defiled five times. In this particular passage, the word defiled in the Greek, it means to be unclean, 
or to be unacceptable before a holy God. You see, the Jewish leaders, these scribes, these Pharisees, they had taught the people, they were very adamant that the way that they were made right with God was through their traditions. It was through their rites. It was through all of their rituals that they established. Jesus is addressing the heart of the matter. He's directly coming against the system that they have put in place. We don't have time to turn there this morning, but in Matthew chapter 23, you can see Jesus saying, Woe, woe unto them. Cursed they be, the wrath of God be upon them, because, you see, Jesus said their, their lives, their hearts were like whitewashed tombs. They looked good on the outside, but inside, because of depravity, because of the sinfulness of the heart, they were totally corrupt before a holy God. And Jesus calls them out. Mandy, it made me think about, you guys know we have lots of kids, and so we have lots of dishes. And when the kids wash the dishes, sometimes the outside of the dish looks like it's clean. But then you go to put water into your cup, and before you know it, Pastor Jim, you have chocolate milk that has been left over the floaties that are in your water. And it's, it's nasty. It's sickening, Right? If you've ever had that happen before, it happens a lot in the Phillips house. So if you ever come to visit, always check your cup. It's the sinfulness of the heart. That's what Jesus is saying about the hearts of all people. And specifically in this context, the hearts of these religious leaders. And they don't get it. They don't see it. So now we come to verse 17. Jesus enters the house. We don't know exactly whose house. It doesn't really matter. So he leaves the people, and he did this many times. He would leave the crowds, and he would come alongside his disciples to teach them a little bit further. That's what's going on in verse 17. So his disciples, they begin to ask him there in verse 17 about the parable, what Jesus was teaching. And then in verse 18, he addresses them. Are you also without understanding? Are you like the crowds? Do you not get what I'm teaching you? And then he, he says the same thing he's already said there in verse 18. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? And here's why. Jesus explains it. Look at verse 19. He says... It enters not his heart, okay? So these things are not entering into the heart. Instead, they enter into the stomach, and they are expelled as waste. And I'm going to leave it at that. If you want to get into a science lesson, Pastor Doug's not here today, but he teaches science at OCA. You guys can talk to him about the digestive system and how that works, right? So God has designed our system, and that's what he's getting at. It's expelled through the digestive the digestive system. And then the end of verse 19, Jesus says something, or it's noted here, he's declaring all foods as what? As clean. 
Now, one of the reasons why the disciples didn't get it, you have to, as best we can, try to put ourselves in their shoes, in their culture, in their traditions, and all the things that they have been taught. It definitely was about outward purity, of being cleansed outwardly. I mean, that's what the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders had taught them. And so for Jesus to be focusing so much on the heart, it was really hard for them to grasp it. So yes, their hearts were, little, were hard here, but a lot of it, just think about your own life. There's things that you get taught growing up, right? And it takes you a while to have to wrestle through. Well, that's not really right. And so all these human traditions, all these traditions of the elders that had come down to them. Now, there's another aspect of this I had to wrestle through. That is true according to the word of God. We don't have time this morning, but you can go and look at Leviticus chapter 11. And you can look at Deuteronomy chapter 14. And you can look at the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And God, very early on, as he's establishing Israel as a nation, he did give them all kinds of rules and regulations regarding what was clean and what was not clean. What was defiled and what was not defiled and how they were to prepare themselves to worship there in the tabernacle and ultimately in the temple. And there were clean animals and there were unclean animals. So it wasn't just man-made additions. There were those that the Pharisees had added. But again, you can go to these passages and you see this in the words. So if you've ever read through the book of Leviticus, sometimes it's like, ooh, this is a lot to, all right. What's exactly is God getting at? How does this apply to us today? So let's unpack that a little bit. So some of these things probably were given. I think there's multiple reasons here. And I don't know. I'm not going to say I fully understand everything. But just kind of basic hygiene and personal health. I mean, God knew what was best uh, for his people. There were also many Canaanite or pagan practices that God was calling his people to be separated from. One thing when you read the book of Le Leviticus, if you don't get anything else at all, the main idea, the main thrust is to be holy as he is holy. To be set apart as unto the Lord. That, that was the thrust that God was getting at. That he had called a people for himself that were to be set apart from the other nations. And then also, as I mentioned, God was about them preparing themselves. There was a, a reverence before the Lord before they were to go into the tabernacle, which had just been built, by the way, in the book of Exodus. And then ultimately, before they were to go into the courts of the temple and into the temple, the priests, all of the sacrifices, everything that was done to worship the Lord, there was to be a cleanliness about it because God is holy. Okay, so there, there's principle there, principles there. There's application there for us, Right? Hopefully this morning you don't just enter into a facility like this flippantly before the Lord. You know, Pastor Doug recently sent out many things that we should be preparing our hearts. The night before, the morning of, is there sin that needs to be confessed? Is there sin that needs to be repented of? These are things that we should really be thinking about because we know the Bible has called us to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable 
before the Lord. This is our spiritual act of worship. We are not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so there is application for us today. Now, should we consider the things that we eat? Yes, we should. If you go to McDonald's every single day of your life and you get chicken nuggets and french fries, you will get heart disease. Okay? I mean, we are called before the Lord to take care of our bodies, our temple of the Lord, and we should consider those things. But that's not really the main part of this passage. Should we live lives separated as unto the Lord, that there's things that we abstain from, we refrain from as Christians? Absolutely. We should think about what we watch, what we think about, what we read, all of these things. But we also need to understand this morning, we have the perfect and the righteous one who has come and he has fulfilled the law. Brother Bill, we don't do any more animal sacrifices, do we? Because there's the once and for all sacrifice for our sin. The Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of all the festivals that we see in the book of Leviticus. He's the one that makes us clean and right before a holy God. It's Jesus. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 3. You see, Paul wrestled through this with the people there at Galatia. And there's so much that we can say about all this. I'm gonna, I am going to do a lot of cross-references here because I think it's important. But then there's a lot more that can be said that we just don't have time. So buckle in. You're about to get a lot of Bible. Okay, a lot of cross-references. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 3. Because you see, the New Testament, we do need to understand this. We know that the Old and the New Testament, it's all the Word of God. But the New Testament does help bring clarity to doctrines, to the teachings of the Word of God. So in Galatians chapter 3, look at verses 23 through 26. And Paul is going to help us here bringing some clarity when we think about the law of God. He says this, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian, or some translations say it was our tutor, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. We're declared righteous before God through faith in Christ. But the law definitely served a purpose of preparing the hearts of the people of God to worship him and ultimately for us to see the sinfulness of our hearts before God so that we see that we need Christ. Verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Christ has come. He's come and our righteousness is found in Christ alone. Not through any kind of outward system. Now, I want you to go to Acts chapter 10. God's going to speak directly to Peter. Acts chapter 10. I know Pastor Doug preached on this, so I'm not going to say a lot. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter, as a good Jew, he struggled 
with, there were certain things he didn't feel like he could eat because of the book of Leviticus, which he would have known. And so there's this interaction with Cornelius, uh, who was uh, a worshiper of God, but he didn't have salvation at this point. And, and so God speaks to him through a dream, and he sends these servants to go to Peter, who ultimately is going to tell him the gospel, the good news of Christ, and Cornelius comes to faith in Christ. But look at what God does in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. Acts 10, verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. But while they, they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. You see, God was making it clear to Peter. All the animals were now clean before the Lord. He's also teaching Peter, that the Gentiles were to receive the gospel of Christ as well. It wasn't just for the Jew, it was Jew and Gentile. Now, go to Romans chapter 14. And we'll see Paul here addressing this issue again. Romans 14, about what is clean and not clean or defiled and undefiled. Romans 14, 14 through 17. And again, if you have more time, you should really read through all of Romans 14 for the context. But in Romans 14, verse 14, Paul says this, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks that it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not, not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, he's making it clear what the kingdom of God is really about. The end of verse 17, it's not the eating and drinking. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. But he's also letting them know, hey, some of your fellow brothers in the Lord are kind of wrestling in their own conscience of what they can eat. What they can't eat, could they eat uh, meat that had been sacrificed to idols? Could they not? For some believers at that point, that was like, oh, I can't do that. It's been sacrificed to this idol. Other believers were like, well, why not? It's a piece of meat. Praise the Lord for it. We'll pray, we'll give thanks, and we'll eat. And so in the midst of all this conversation, there should be neighbor love that we have towards one another regarding these kinds of things. I know some, some of us eat lots of meat. Some of us may not eat any meat at all. Some of us may not eat pork. I mean, all these different things, right? But the point is, before the Lord, it is clean before the Lord. You have the freedom, the right to be able to eat it. But for some that maybe their conscience is at a little bit different place on that, we can show neighbor love towards one another. And finally, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 
and 23. And you can also go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm not going to go there, but that's another place that talks about this. But Colossians chapter 2, we'll read this one and then we'll move back to Mark. Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. In Colossians 2, verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as it were, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not touch, excuse me, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Here's the point, guys. We're going to go back to Mark 7. All these outward things don't fix the problem of the heart. The sinfulness of the heart. Only Christ can do that. That's what Paul is getting at there in Colossians. So, Let's go back now to Mark. Hopefully you've been able to see God's not so concerned about these outward things. He's concerned about the heart, the inner man. So you can abstain from certain foods all you want. That's not going to make you more right with the Holy God. And that's not going to fix the heart problem of sin. That's the point that Jesus is making to these religious leaders, and ultimately to his disciples here. All right, let's go back to verse 21. Verse 21, he's now going to unpack what is of most importance. He says, for from within, there in verse 21, out of the heart of man, and here we go, the core problem of defilement, the heart, what makes us unclean and unacceptable before a holy God, the heart is the inner man. It's the center of one's being. It's your will, your emotions. It's your mind. The Bible uses the word heart over 900 times. And so we are messed up as sinners before a holy God. And he's going to make that clear. Look at how he describes our hearts. And as I read this, don't be thinking about somebody else. Think about a mirror. Think about your own heart. Let me tell you, I've had a, this was a tough message to get ready for, Brother Jimbo. There's a lot, there's a lot in this heart. I need a lot of help from the Lord. And let me tell you, it has been quite the week of conflict in the Phillips home. Just the sinfulness of all of our hearts before the Lord. But look at what Jesus says. He says, first of all, we're filled with evil thoughts. That simply means evil reasonings within ourselves, bad, wicked thoughts. I want you to think about your thought life throughout all of your years. Think about all the thoughts that you have had that were so ungodly. It's shameful, shameful, the things that we have and then he goes into sexual immorality, all sexual sin outside of marriage, all fornication, all pornography, all homosexuality, etc., etc. And I want you to think about that, all of our sexual sin before God. And it's horrible, it's terrible. 
when you think about that. And then he talks about theft of just stealing. And for the young people in here, just when you steal from another student, you take their homework. Or you look up an answer where you're not supposed to. Or you cheat on a test. It's sin against the holy God. And then he talks about murder, illegal, intentional killing. Think about all of the hundreds of thousands of innocent lives every single year of babies that are murdered right here in America. And it's a wicked thing. God should strike us as a country right now. He has every right to do it. Thankfully, he's merciful. We are a wicked nation and our hearts are wicked. Jesus says, if you've had anger in your heart towards another person, you've committed murder in your heart. So it's not just our nation, it's us. And then he talks about adultery, a spouse being unfaithful to his or her spouse. And we know that Jesus said, if you've had lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. Think about our marriages today. Think about just the perversion and the sexual sin. We as a country don't value marriage. Do we even value it as a church? We're sinners against the holy God. And then he goes into coveting. This strong desire to get more and more stuff. It's greed. It's what our commercials and our ads focus on every single day. And you want to know why it works? Because we're coveters. Than wickedness, just doing evil deeds. There's so much evil that happens in our land and in our community. And then he talks about deceit. It's the use of lying, deception, or trickery on a person. Think about all of the lies that we have told throughout our years. You know, for those that fish, it's the same word that's used for bait. That's what you're doing. You're deceiving the fish. That's the whole point. They think they're getting something, but they're being tricked. They're being deceived. And think about how many times we've manipulated people to trick them to get what we want. And then sensuality is extreme immorality. There's so much in our world today. It's gross. This whole transgenderism. We can't even get gender right anymore in our country. It's gross. It's immoral. It's sensual. We have drag queens doing story time in our public libraries. It's sickening. And do we even blush anymore at the sinfulness of our world? And then there's the envy, the feelings of jealousy over what someone else has. We're not content in what we have. We want what somebody else has. And we're jealous and we're envious. And then there's slander to speak against someone to harm their reputation. How many times have we gossiped or said something against someone to tear them down? And there's pride. There's arrogance. It's just the simple love of self. Foolishness. An absolute lack of sense. Choosing to not think well. The Bible does use in the ESV the word stupidity. The theory of evolution is absolute stupidity. And we think it's true. I went to public school. I know what I was taught. 
Young people, it is stupidity. It's foolishness. And it's all because we don't want to submit to a holy God. So verse 23, Jesus wraps this up, right? All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Jesus couldn't be any more clear. It's from within. It's the sinfulness of our own hearts. This morning, every single one of us, man, woman, boy and girl, deserve the wrath and judgment of God. And if you're not in Christ this morning, John 3, 36 says the wrath of God abideth on you. And God in his holiness, God in his justice, God in his righteousness would be perfectly right in judging us in our sin. And we would be condemned to hell to suffer God's wrath and judgment for eternity. That's the bad news. But this morning, I don't want to just leave you with the bad news. Amen? Amen. Yes, we do have a problem of the heart. Yes, we do deserve God's wrath. But please hear me this morning. Don't tune out. Don't tune out over these last five minutes. Even for those of you that are in the faith, this should cause you, Pastor Jim, to jump in up and down on the inside. This is the good news of the gospel. God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus died for you. Not because you deserved it. I just read to you about our hearts. But because our God is a God of love and he's a God of grace and he's a God of mercy. He's a God who saves. He's a God who rescues. And he sent Christ to suffer in your place. That you can be forgiven. You can be made right. That you can have a new heart. That's what God does. He regenerates the heart. He takes our dead, hard hearts. Ezekiel 36 that Pastor Jim read. And he makes them soft. He makes them new. Will you look to Christ today? Will you admit before God that you need salvation? And know that Christ gave his life for you. And then three days later, he resurrected. He's the resurrection and the life. And that in Christ, you can have a new heart. You can have a new, a new way of living. You can have forgiveness and you can have eternal life. I want to leave you with one passage and then we'll pray. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Because I want you to see without a shadow of a doubt that this is a work of God and it's a work that only God can do. You will never be good enough to go to heaven on your own. Titus chapter 3. Look at what God's word says. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7. Look at what God does. Verses 1 through 3 talks about all the sinfulness, but we've already hit on that. I'm, I'm leaving you with the good news. Titus chapter 3 verse 4. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. Oh, his loving kindness he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the giving of a new heart and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life.
That is good news. Let's pray. God, my heart is so wicked. It is so sinful. You've made that so clear this week. It, it, is, it is shameful. It was so hard to stand up here this week, God, because I know how sinful I am. Lord, please forgive me, first of all. Lord, I beg for forgiveness all throughout the week. God, you called me to preach. And I'm thankful that I know, as sinful, as wicked as I am, that in Christ, the sin debt has been paid in full. That I've been forgiven in Christ, not because I deserve it, because God, you are gracious. That's the truth of your word. And Jesus, I so long to see you one day. What a day that shall be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face. The one who saved me. By his grace. God, I thank you. Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation that you've granted so many in here already. And Lord, if there be one today, that they're not in, in the faith, they're not in Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. They would see their sin for what it is, and they would run to Christ. They'd be forgiven and have eternal life. So God, you do that work in our hearts that only you can do. Lord, now may we sing praises to you. Because you're worthy. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and let's praise our amazing God. Our last song this morning is I Surrender All.